Hello, hello, hello. Yo, yo, yo. Another episode. Come see real quick. Rev Young Yates, Elder R. LeVon Yates, preacher of the gospel, lover of people. I'm here and I'm joined by. This is Camry Butler. I'm an LPC associate in the state of Texas. You can find me on Instagram at Miss Cam Nicole or on my professional account at Camry Butler. We're excited to be here another episode with you guys. Like to talk again. We talked about leaders and mental health last time. Uh, we'll talk about how, uh, uh, in a little deeper form, beyond the surface level, we'll talk about some things that may be, uh, not necessarily those who may lead, uh, those who may have a faith walker, those who have a mental, a mental health uh, condition, but it's just a struggle in general. And we'll talk about addiction how addiction looks, how that manifests uh, in our lives, how uh, it has an impact on our movements, on our actions, on our thinking, et cetera. And so that's what we'll be doing today. And I'm, I'm excited about that. How about you, Cam? I am. I'm really excited about it. Um, I think, like you said, it's really important for us to begin having these tough conversations. We avoid, especially, you know, I think the world in general avoids tough conversations, but particularly in certain cultures, in certain cultures, um, communities of color um, and communities, you know, religious communities, we avoid certain topics and conversations because, and I don't think we do it purposely or maliciously, of course, but it's just, we don't know how to have these conversations. And so, of course, you know, something that you're, you're unsure about, you tend to avoid those things. And so I definitely think like we've been talking about mental health, um, is definitely one of those and addiction falls up under mental health disorders. Um, it's highly stigmatized and I think people hide it because if I tell someone that I'm addicted to something, regardless of what it is, you know, I think as soon as you hear the word addiction, our minds automatically go to drugs and alcohol. But there are so many different types of addiction, whether that be gambling, whether that be sex, pornography, um, I mean, shopping, social media, my God. <laughs> um, so there's different types of addictions that people can be addicted to, but we hide behind it because we don't want that judgment um, to come up on us like they're an addict, to be called an addict, you know, that's, that's, that's a title that no one wants. And so I think this is very important for us to discuss today um, and dive into because it's, I think what people don't understand is that it's not a character flaw. Um, it is a disorder, it is a disease, and it is very hard to overcome. Man, I think just that last sentence resonated so much with me. You know, when you when you started off, you started talking about people uh, avoiding these conversations, and I instantly thought, you know, a lot of times we do what we saw model, and mm-hmm. if we ne- if we never saw a hard conversations model, we may not know how to handle uh, said conversations or maybe even maneuver through those conversations, but those conversations are, are pivotal uh, in our movements, uh, not from just uh, the past, but our movements in the present towards the future. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, I, I think it's, it's necessary for those hard conversations because they lead us to a place of growth and development. But if I, if I fail to have those hard conversations, then a lot of things go unsaid. You know, I said uh, in a conversation before around the top, around topic, taboo topics that, you know, we sweep so much under the rug at this point, the rug may, may be a hill. Mm-hmm. But because we dare to, you know, 
I would dare to say that we have an addiction to avoidance in a lot of our cultures, uh, as you've already aforementioned, mm -hmm. uh, be it faith or a particular ethnicity. And mm -hmm. this is across cultural uh, culture lines and, and uh, religious belief lines. Uh, in some areas, we feel that it's easier to leave things unsaid. But some things unsaid leaves a space for behaviors to not ever be learned. Mm -hmm. The only question that's a bad question is the one unasked. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I think these conversations are are necessary for growth. You know, I, I have to choose to be planted as opposed to being buried. And, mm -hmm. and the process of being planted, I have to continue to cultivate the ground around me so that I can grow. And, and, and you said it's not a character flaw, but it's a it's an illness. And I think because we deem it a character flaw, there's a stigma of shame and guilt that surrounds it. And so even if we wanted to talk about it, there may be a struggle of feeling, how would I be viewed or perceived? Mm -hmm. Because I, I think of, I think a lot of people in our in our circles may look at addiction as a character flaw, as Absolutely. opposed to illness, because we're still struggling as a society. We're still struggling to accept accept mental illness mm -hmm. as a legitimate illness, and I believe it. It's long past that time. Absolutely, and I like what you said about you know kind of being addicted to avoidance and you know kind of doing what was modeled before us, and I think that that's absolutely true um, because having hard conversations causes you to have to step outside of your comfort zone and do something that has never been done before. It causes you to kind of have to break those generational cycles. And that's a scary thing to do. Um, and so I think that this is very important. So what I want to do is read um, the clinical definition for, um, read the clinical definition for addiction. Um, it says addiction is a chronic disease characterized by drug seeking and use that is compulsive or difficult to control despite harmful consequences. Addiction is difficult, complex, and has many layers. Oftentimes, individuals who have substance use disorders also live with a mental health disorder. According to the National Institute of Health, 7.7 .7 million adults have co-occurring mental health and substance use disorders. Um, and so I think what's also important to highlight is that most of the time, as I've just read, people who suffer with substance use disorder also have a mental health disorder. And so it's used as a coping mechanism to cope with depression and stress and maybe something such as bipolar, schizophrenia, trying to calm down their psychosis, right? So trying to use marijuana if they're hearing voices and things like that. We don't know which one occurs first. Um, so we can't say this one came first and this one or this one manifested first. Um, but they, but we do see a lot of people who have one disorder also have the other. Um, and so that even kind of reinforces that, like I forementioned, that this isn't a character flaw. This isn't just someone saying, you know, waking up one morning saying, oh, I want to, you know, try this. It is something that is biologically driven. Um and so I think that's very important for us to start having some empathy and compassion for people, not making excuses for harmful behaviors, but really having some empathy and compassion and extending resources for help for people within our communities. Yeah. 
I I I, I completely uh one hundred and fifty percent agree. Uh that that shows an area of growth, a step towards being willing to understand. And I think when we have that willingness to understand what we do not know, then some of that stigma is removed. Some of our ignorance is is met with knowledge. And then we can begin to change our outlook mm-hmm. on, on what we verse, what we once viewed as a quote unquote bad thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and, and I think that leads us not just to the place of growth and understanding of what addiction is and how it can manifest in others, but it may lead me to look at myself and say, you know what, I'm addicted too. You know, I mm-hmm. might not use drugs or I might not have a drink of choice like someone else is addiction to alcoholism or substance abuse, mm-hmm. but I may have my own personal struggle. You know, like you already announced, there are several different types of addiction. You know, and the Bible talks about it's easier to look at the the speck in someone else's eye, and not look at the plank mm-hmm. in, in yours. And you know, uh, you know, addiction is something that is a problem. I don't think it's a a, a problem to the place of uh, it's somebody's fault. That's why it's happening to them. I think it's a problem like any other sickness. But with any other sickness, they give you a path to how to manage it. Or how to get well. Absolutely. The same with addiction. If I'm not willing to do that work, basically I'm content with staying sick. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, I I see sometimes there's not not an understanding of the topic at large. But then I see sometimes there's just not a willingness to be better. And mm-hmm. what do, what do you think about that? Repeat the question for me. You know. Uh, in some situations where addiction is present, mm-hmm. sometimes there's a contentment with being in that stage and there's not a willingness to, mm-hmm. to try to beat that addiction. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I do agree because, so I did my internship all of 2020 in a pandemic, Jesus. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I did it at an inpatient facility where I worked with uh, sub- individuals who live with substance use disorders and mental health disorders. Um, and so some of them came in voluntarily um, who said, you know, my life is a mess. My children have been taken from me. Um, my family want nothing else to do with me until I get clean. And so they came in wanting the help. Um, and then there were others who were court mandated. There were others who their family dr- pretty much drugged them in and dropped them off. Um, or kind of maybe gave them an ultimatum and said, do this or else. And so we definitely saw a difference in the recovery process for people who wanted it for themselves and who were doing it for other people. There were external forces driving them to recovery. Um, So the people who came on their own usually stayed cleaner longer um, versus the people who came because someone made them. Also, I think, when you see someone content with their situation, you extend your hand, but you can never work harder than your family member, than your friend. Me as a therapist, my supervisors, they always tell me never work harder than your client. Um, So you can't work harder than yourself. I read a quote that one of the therapists that I love, she said, you can't be on the front line of somebody else's battle. 
So you can't, if somebody else, if they aren't willing to put in the work too, you can't take bullets for them, right? So they have destructive behavior. They're out, you know, doing criminal activity and you're constantly overexerting and overworking yourself. You're taking their bullets and they're not even willing to get in the fight. I think at that point, sometimes we have to step away and let people live their life, let them bump their heads until they are ready for the help on their own because you can't make someone want recovery. That's something that they have to be willing to walk into for themselves. I, I, I can I can definitely understand that. And I think, uh, you know, there is an aspect that, that it's very connected mentally, but I think uh, it has to go past the point of logic you know, and, and the spiritual desire to to want better than what I have now. And mm-hmm. sometimes I can meet that on my own, but sometimes I may need a higher power. You know, I, I notice in, in 12-step programs and other mo- methods and most of recovery, they have, mm-hmm. they usually uh, have a sense of spirituality connected, a piece Absolutely. of spirituality connected in there because a lot of people long for a connection in moments of such, but I'm not sure. Maybe the addiction brings that point of isolation, or maybe there's just a need uh, to say, you know what, I'm now realizing I have limits, and I need some help. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact... Oh, no, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Um, and I like the fact that you bring up um, isolation because um, tr- as far as triggers are concerned, isolation is definitely um, a trigger for individuals who have maybe either predisposition from for substance use disorders, um, who are in recovery. They are more um, they are more likely to relapse if they are isolated. So that's why the pandemic was. They saw rocket numbers when we were in the pandemic, especially in 2020. Now, 2021, things are, you know, we're kind of moving around. But 2020, when we were on lockdown, it was very difficult for people who were in recovery because isolation is detrimental. You're alone. You don't have that accountability. You can't get to your therapist. You can't get to peer groups. You can't see, you know, your mentors. And so that isolation and you're stuck in your mind with those thoughts, um, and so it was very difficult for people in recovery. So I like, I really like that you brought up that isolation piece. Right, 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 right. So, so what are some other triggers uh, that, that that could lead us to the place of uh, addiction? Uh, that's interesting about isolation. Absolutely. So, like I said, being genetically predispositioned, so it can run in the family. So, if you have a parent or a grandparent who was addicted to anything. Uh, you can have an addictive personality, so you want to be careful, um, even if you're just socially drinking or, you know, people socially use drugs. I'm not, I'm absolutely not advocating for that, but that is people do that. But if you know that you have an addictive personality, you definitely want to be careful with that because you are more likely to become addicted if that runs in your bloodline. Um, trauma um, can also lead to being um addicted to substances, trying to um, numb that pain. So if you've been sexually abused, physically abused, you know, neglected in any way, people use substances um, as an outlet to kind of numb that pain. Any type of mental health disorder, depression, bipolar, I think I've mentioned that prior to, 
physical pain. So um, I don't know if some of our listeners may have heard of the opioid crisis. Um, people who have physical pain, back pain, and they go to the doctor and the doctor prescribes an opioid, they are highly addictive. Um, and so again, if you have that addictive personality, or even if you don't, just opioids are so highly addictive um, that you just want to be careful when, when taking those because it's dangerous. Yeah, uh, the opioid crisis is very big. Yeah, in Tennessee, and you know, I love the fact that you spoke to the genetic disposition because you know I've I've had hard conversations, uh, be it that I was an inquisitive child and I asked questions, or, or be it my my parents felt that there were things I needed to know, mm-hmm. and, but that but those hard conversations allowed me to know not just me but the history I'm coming from, and right. there are there are certain things that I purposely because of so you know I think you know. One of the hard conversations that we that we fail to have is the hard conversation with ourselves. So mm-hmm. before I could look outwardly, you know, about my shortcomings or my particular setting that I may find myself in, whatever age or stage I am in life, I have to ask myself, what's, what am I contributing to this problem? Mm-hmm. Even if that's uh, just me coming from a, a genetic pool where this trait was very present. No, I, I, I'm not the cause of that. However, I'm, I'm responsible as my chaplain would tell me, Bill Hawkins would tell me, I did not cause the trauma, but it's up to me what I choose to do with it from this point on. Absolutely. And so being knowledgeable about your mental health history is just as important as checking through your family line for blood pressure, mm-hmm. uh, diabetes, or heart disease, or, or, or any of the likes, because uh, mental health is just as serious as physical health, spiritual health. I think they all, uh, I think they all tie in. And, and now you're starting to see that on the questionnaires, just from routine physicals and doctor visits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's definitely. I mean, again, I'm a therapist, so on my intake forms, I'm asking, you know, anything that your grandparents dealt with. You know, are there any past mental disorder that, you know, sisters, brothers, because these things can be, you know, genetically, you know, you can be genetically predispositioned for that. And so if that's in the bloodline, this is something that we need to be just watchful for, you know, in the future. And so I want to speak maybe to individuals themselves, the family members, the friends of individuals, if you may suspect that someone's dealing with something or just have this information for future reference. What does what does it look like? What what should we be watching for? If they start withdrawing from family and friends, um, sudden changes in their behavior, like this is this isn't their normal behavior, and all of a sudden they're acting differently. They're acting strange. Um, they're engaging in risky behavior. Um, they're starting to act really impulsively, um, feeling like. If you or someone else is feeling like you need a drug or a beverage and you can't function without it um, or failing in your attempts to stop, if you've said a couple of times, hey, I'm not going to do this anymore, and you continue to not be able to, you've lost that self-control, it's time to seek extra assistance from a professional. And, you know, with, with those tips, would you limit that to 
addiction to certain things or that's or, or that's an addiction in general anything um for this i would limit that to maybe drugs and alcohol i wouldn't say that those apply to shopping or social media <laughs> um maybe maybe drugs and alcohol probably gambling um maybe even pornography and sex um those would probably apply to those okay Yeah, I, I I think that uh, and when I say often, we all have a story. Sometimes other story is more visible for us to see, and the media does a good job of that. And then others may be good at keeping their story quiet, but doesn't change the fact that we have a story. You know, Galatians, mm-hmm. Book of Galatians six and one says, when a brother or sister is overtaken in sin. You know, as believers in the faith, it's our duty to try to restore such a one because at any time that could be us. And, you know, uh, from a spiritual standpoint, we're not wrestling against people, flesh and blood, we're wrestling against principalities. So the wrestle against principalities Mm -hmm. would include a battle of the mind or a mental challenge or obstacle uh, like addiction. Mm -hmm. I I don't necessarily think uh, that they are always isolated I, I believe our body soul and mind are connected uh, in a twine, uh, in a trichotomous way and and i think sometimes you it you can notice that and i i think addiction is one of those things that helped me to see that this is this is is going to be a battle or a struggle or obstacle on all fronts and mm-hmm. so the question is am i going to accept it and prepare to to condition myself through life with it or I'm just going to avoid it and sweep it under that rug heel. Absolutely. And to piggyback off of conditioning ourselves, right, I dare not leave our listeners without (laughs) assistance. Um, And so a few coping mechanisms, right? So if you're struggling or you know someone who is struggling, you definitely want to avoid those high-risk situations. So areas that you've previously used in, right? Going back to that, going back to that environment can be a trigger um, because it's a reminder of what you used to do, hanging out with old friends, um, anything that reminds you of that old lifestyle or that behavior that you were engaging in. You want to avoid those high-risk situations. Develop a strong supportive network. Friends and fans, sober friends and family. Um, whether those are people who are also in recovery, but who have been in recovery for a while, and so they're stronger than you are, or people who have never um, had a substance use disorder, and they can rally around you and support you. Get mentors, get a therapist, but get a strong support group, people who you can be real and authentic with. You don't have to hide someone who you can call and tell them that you're having a bad day, and you're thinking about using, and they don't pass that judgment, but they will be that real support with you because you have to be able to be honest um, for people to help you. Um, the next one is be honest with yourself and others, right? So you have to be able to be honest um, because addiction likes to hide you. It likes to it likes to isolate you, to get you by yourself because if you're by yourself, there's no one to help you. And so you go back down that slippery slope. So you have to have people that you can be real and honest with. Um, develop healthy habits and goals, um, develop healthy habits and hobbies. 
right? So when you were using and in that unhealthy lifestyle, you were always kind of seeking out that next high. So you have to replace those maladaptive behaviors with healthier ones. So develop healthier hobbies. Um, the last two, journal, and then keep in contact with a therapist. I love that list. I, I mean, I love, I mean, I absolutely love that list. It, it, it's a list that holds you accountable. Mm -hmm. It speaks about honesty, speaks about documentation through your journal. It, it speaks about not just, you know, half, halfway doing it, but co committing to it. And I, you know, and I say often, if you can't be honest with yourself, you won't be honest with anyone. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I like how you pointed out that the addiction masks itself often. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's why that honesty is important. You know, uh, it's, yeah, it, it's important because God knows the real us, not what we show every everybody else, but he knows mm -hmm. the real mm -hmm. us. And I, I think that, you know, this society is kind of creating an addiction to dishonesty. So addiction to not the truth, but my truth. Mm -hmm. You know, and so, yeah. And I think a lot of times, you know, like you said, addiction can mask itself. Sometimes addiction or someone who's suffering with addiction doesn't always look like what we have in our mind. You know, we have an image in our mind of what someone looks like when they're suffering. Um, but it doesn't always look like that. There are some people in suits um, and they've learned how to function. They go to work, um, they do their job and they come home and they live in that addiction. And so addiction is a very scary disease and it can definitely mask itself and it hides itself. And so we just want to be supportive to our family and our friends and be mindful. Um, I mean, I, and I don't want people to think that addiction you know because I did say it's it's a disease and it's a disorder but it is treatable right and so it can be treated and successfully managed um, although individuals who are in recovery from an addiction generally are at risk for relapse all of their lives um, there are effective methods to manage and to treat um, to treat substance use disorders and those include you know as soon as like I mentioned, I was working in my inpatient facility, so you can go to detox, and they will detox you if that's what you need first. Um, you can go to inpatient and stay there. You can go to intensive outpatient, where you have daily or weekly meetings, um, self-help and peer groups, of course, individual counseling. They also have medicated assistant treatment programs, um, where they supplement the drug that you're on to kind of help wean you off of that. Um, so there are effective treatments um, to help manage that, um, to help manage substance use disorders. That's, that's beautiful, uh, you know, because I would not want individuals to suffer in silence. Absolutely. And I think what you said about addiction is powerful because it masks so much we don't even know we're suffering because the whatever we're addicted to, when we meet that high, if you meet that high, it silences the suffering temporarily. Mm -hmm. Temporarily, but when you, yeah. But when you come down <laughs> from that high, 
It's back to square one and the problem's still there. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, people are constantly chasing that that dopamine. So that's what addiction is. It, it yes. plays on the chemical transmitter dopamine, which is the pleasure chemical. It's the neurotransmitter in our brain. And so you use the drug. It helps you get that reinforcement, that euphoria temporarily, and all of your problems go away temporarily, maybe 30 minutes, an hour. And then you come down and you have to experience that high again. And so you're chasing it again. And eventually you build up this tolerance and you have to have more and more of the drug. And it really rewires your your pleasure reward center, um, thus addiction. (laughs) Yes, right, right, right. And that's real dope. I, I, I know that this episode gonna be helpful. It's been helpful to me. I've learned so much uh, past the surface level of addiction. And so, yeah, I, I think that, yeah, I think this is gonna be what somebody needs in this particular season of life. Any closing words, Kim? Um, just like I said, I, I want people to understand that although it is a disease, it is treatable, it is manageable. Um, but it starts with us being honest and open first with ourselves. Um, if you need help, ask for help. Find find your people. Find those people who won't immediately pass judgment, but who will listen, who will listen to your story, who will listen to what you're going through and help you find help, um, who will attend meetings with you if that's what you need. Find your people because they are out there. Um, and so just be honest with yourself and others and as as family members and friends rally around your people um, because this is this is a tough disease. Mental health disorders are really tough to battle through. And so people people can't battle it alone. They need they need the support. Yes, definitely, definitely, definitely. So you make sure that you be that helping hand or receive the hand that God sends to help you. You know, I, I I appreciate everyone who tuned in tonight. I uh, appreciate again, I always our gracious co-host, Miss Cam Nicole. Uh, make sure you join us Monday after next. Come see real quick. We'll be back and we'll continue in this dialogue and discussion about topics that are much needed, necessary, even though they may be hard conversations, necessary and needed for our growth. All right, come see you real quick. Well, young Yates, Cam Nicole, be blessed and remember, you're on the mind of God.